Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Can you believe this? Say it with your chest. Looking to push tempo here, the Pelicans. Hold that follow through. That's right. This is what takes you to another level. Well, holy shit, huh? What a night and what a last few hours. It is currently 12.40 a.m. here in Madison, Wisconsin, and Drew Holiday is no longer a New Orleans Pelican. Before we get to that, I mean, what I meant to say was, what the hell is up? (laughs) And this is Believe in the New Orleans Pelicans with your host, Elliot Clough, at Elliot Clough on Twitter. I'm sure we're going to be getting a plenty of new listeners here on today's podcast. So before we get started, make sure you subscribe and follow depending on where you're listening to this podcast. And by the end of today's show, you make sure you leave a rate and review. It really, really helps us out and gets us more exposure to fans like you. So if you do that, it'd be greatly appreciated. And make sure you share the show with a friend today. So, Eric Bledsoe, George Hill, three first-round picks, and two pick swaps are coming to the Big Easy from Milwaukee. One of those first picks being this year's 24th overall pick. So some tangible assets right in front of our faces on top of acquiring Two seasoned guards, to say the least, in Eric Bledsoe and George Hill. And to toot our own horn just a touch, who's been saying that the Bucks would be in play for Drew since the frickin' get-go? And that would be us here at Believe in the New Orleans Pelicans. And whoa, doggy, I'm pretty sure we were the only outlet, the only Pelicans outlet to mention the Bucks as a true contender for Drew. So metaphorical mic drop, I'm going to do it not actually because I don't want to hurt your ears, but we are pretty damn happy about that. Anyway. If you are like me, Pelicans fans, or Bucks fans who are listening to today's show, when you first saw this trade reported, I guess I'm speaking for Pelicans fans here, you were more than likely probably not happy. Eric Bledsoe and George Hill plus picks was the initial report. And when you look at it on its face and you don't know what those picks are, it's very easy to say, well, Pelicans just got screwed. Just got screwed. They got fleeced for two old guards who are not as good as Drew. And then some random picks of the future that we don't even know when they're four. And we still don't know when two of them are four. And we didn't know that the Pels were going to be getting two pick swaps either. So my first reaction was, holy shit, Drew just got traded. Second reaction was, wow, that haul sucks. Couldn't do it any better than that. But wait, there's more, says David Griffin. Pels are getting those three first-round picks and those two swaps, which 
takes this deal to a whole nother level. They have the option to trade Eric Bledsoe and or Drew Holiday too. And they still have the 13th pick from this year. They only gave up Drew. They didn't give up any other assets. And David Griffin said, hey, Sam Presti, oh, you think you're a genius? Suck it. Not only do the Pelicans now have three picks and maybe two other picks, well, pick swap situations. I don't really, I'm not, I'm not positive how that works. We'll let you know when those things come around. But they also have the Lakers picks from the AD trade going into the future. So the Pelicans have hella assets is what I'm saying. They are aiming for the future while still having Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson on their roster. And possibly Eric Bledsoe and George Hill going into the future. They've also got Josh Hart. They're pretty well set. Two first-round picks this year. Not the greatest draft in the world. But there's, uh, there's plenty of value to be had. Now. Before we really get into the thick of it, of what this trade means, I'm going to backtrack just a tad. I was not happy when I first saw this, minus the picks. I was not happy about it. Y'all know I wanted Brooke Lopez. If the Pels were to trade between them and the Bucks. I still think he'd be a great fit in NOLA with the spacing and protecting the rim, but that's not what today's episode is about. So... I mean, you look at Bledsoe and, and, and George Hill's contribution in the Bucks or to the Bucks in this playoffs, and it wasn't great. There were a lot of negative things about the bubble for the Bucks, and the play of these two was was pretty much a part of it. There is a nasty taste in the mouth of Bucks fans after that, clearly. And in the taste of the front office in Milwaukee and ownership, more than likely. And they were terrified of losing Giannis in the coming offseason. Which, who can blame him? Two-time MVP, and he's in a small market like that. Makes a whole lot of a hell of a lot of sense for them to make these moves. I mean, Mike Singer from the Nuggets, he's, he's the beat reporter for the Denver Post, he said... I can say confidently the Nuggets were stunned by New Orleans' total haul. Pelicans were never going to get close to that return with Denver. Pelicans exploited Milwaukee's fear of losing Giannis. I believe it. And you know what that means? Is that the Nuggets were not going to give up MPJ. They were not going to give up Jeremy Grant in a sign-in trade. So, that's a W. Eric Bledsoe, George Hill, three picks, two pick swaps as opposed to Gary Harris, Bull Bull, and a pick. I'm good. Thank you very much. Now, like I said, there are a lot of potential situations that could come to fruition with acquiring Bledsoe and Hill and these three picks and future picks in the swap scenario. But before we start talking hypotheticals of moving these two players around, because that's definitely an option, let's talk about what they could and would bring to the Pelicans on the court. Because it's feasible that the Pelicans hold on to these guys until the trade deadline. Because Bledsoe and Hill are both trade deadline type of assets. Where there's a team that's just on the cusp of contribu- or competing in their conference or competing for a good spot 
in the playoffs and they're like, oh, we're just a guard away. We're a guard who can defend away. We're a guard who can shoot the three away. Let's make a trade. And we really need it. And this is our year to compete for a title. Let's make a trade. And if they really view that to be what they need, Pelicans could get a decent exchange for Bledsoe or Hill. So there's that. But if Pelicans hold on to Bledsoe and George Hill, Bledsoe's a defensive guard who's been in the league for a hot minute. And he's been the primary scorer for some bad Phoenix teams. So he's not solely a defensive guy. He's really good on that end, and he was phenomenal in the regular season this last year. That's why he got all-defensive second team, and then he got all-defensive first team the year prior to that. So he's good. He is a good defender. And on the offensive side, in 2016-2017 with the Suns, he averaged 21.1 points, and he's hovered around 15 points a game with the Bucks in his career there. So he can do both. Is he phenomenal on the offensive side of the ball? No. Will he be a good option, third option to Zion and Brandon Ingram? I think so. Absolutely. Is it an upgrade to Drew Holiday? Eh. I don't know. But this provides veteran leadership in a backcourt that had Lonzo Ball and Drew Holiday that caused too many turnovers this last season. I mean, looking at George Hill's stats right now, turnovers a game last season, one. Eric Bledsoe, turnovers a game last season, 2.4. Holiday and Lonzo Ball, three. Each. Each. So from 3.4 turnovers per game between Hill and Bledsoe to six per game between Lonzo and and Drew Hill, or Drew Holiday, sorry, Drew Hill. That's a significant difference. Three turnovers a game is a hell of a lot of turnovers. By the time you get to the end of the season, that's a hefty ass amount of turnovers and too many turnovers that lead to points. Those are points that lose you games. Close games are generally won on the turnover battle. And if you keep Eric Bledsoe, you keep George Hill, there's going to be a hell of a lot less turnovers in the backcourt for the New Orleans Pelicans. For Hill, I mean, he's been deep in the playoffs. He doesn't have the accolades. He doesn't have the awards that Eric Bledsoe has, but he's been deep in the playoffs, and he's been to NBA championships with LeBron James in Cleveland. He played with the Pacers when they were the only competition for the Heat in the East. He's also played on some good Spurs and Jazz teams. This season, he averaged 9.4 points a game and shot 46% from deep, which led the league in three-point percentage. And this, adding that to this team in New Orleans, this team in New Orleans shot the most threes in the NBA this previous season. So that is a pretty damn good acquisition. Hill did suck in the playoffs from three. I can't give you that percentage off the top of my head or I didn't look it up prior to the show, but he was, that was a talking point for a lot of commentators during the playoffs. And they kept saying it and saying it, he kept missing threes and missing threes. But if he can turn it around this coming regular season and add that back to his game and contribute that to the Pelicans, that is big. That is big because you're on a team that already has a bunch of three-point shooters and you're adding to it. 
Drew wasn't that great at the three-point shot. I think he shot 33% last season, so the 13% increase is pretty freaking huge. Is George Hill going to step in defensively to the degree that Drew did? No. But that hike, that jump in three-point percentage is freaking massive. It'd be easy to downplay these two guys, especially after the most recent run that they had in the playoffs with the Bucks, because it was really not a run. But there's a lot of things to factor into that situation. You had the Kenosha thing. That was really sad and really a bad deal for the league and all that. And Giannis got hurt. Coach Bud doesn't make adjustments. Bledsoe has been known to not be great in the playoffs. So, I mean, he's he hasn't had that much playoff experience, first of all. Because he's been with the freaking Suns. Like, <laughs> so, there's there's a nasty taste in our mouth about what we believe Hill and Bledsoe to be. But in all reality, they've done a lot in this league. And they're good players, especially in the regular season. And that's where the Pels have kind of sucked. I mean, you can't say they sucked in the playoffs because they haven't been there. They've been there, but they haven't been there in a long time. I mean, the, the Pels, every time... New Orleans fans think about the playoffs. They go, oh, we still had 2017-2018. That was a good season. And the Pels got beat by the Warriors in five games in the second round. Like, (laughs) I mean, this is a backcourt that provides veteran leadership. Eric Bledsoe is a freaking bulldog. It would have been really awesome to keep Drew. It would have been really awesome to see him on this team and and stick around in New Orleans. But these two guys are going to come in. They're going to have legitimate experience. They're going to step in next to J.J. Redick, and he's going to say, these guys are bona fide NBA athletes, NBA players. They're going to contribute. I believe in them, and that'll make the young guys believe in them too. It's going to be SVG, but the player situation. I mean, SVG's coming in. Having coaching experience, and J.J.'s going to back that up. And J.J.'s played against these guys for a while. He's going to say, these guys are worth it. These guys are going to contribute. And Bledsoe, knowing Bledsoe, this is going to piss him off. He was being shot by the Bucks big time this season. And like I said, this man is a bulldog, and he's going to be ready to fight. And to the, to the death, not literally, but fight tooth and nail for the Pelicans should they hold on to him. Plus, on top of all this, on top of all of the on-court stuff, you look at their contracts, there's some pretty freaking solid contracts there for the Pelicans going forward. Start off, Bledsoe is under contract for three more years, okay? $17 million eight next year, $18 million the following year. 2023, he's only guaranteed $3.9 million. I'm assuming it's an incentive-based contract with that last year. I don't really know. I know some NFL contracts are incentive-based. I don't really know a whole lot about this situation. I haven't looked too much into it. But they keep him under contract. Those are some really good deals. Some, some pretty solid deals. For Hill, he, he's under contract for this year and next year. And next year, he's only guaranteed $1 million. This year, he's set up to make 
So you're getting these two players, two players, both veterans, both good on defense, both going to contribute offensively at the same price as the one player that is Drew Holiday. About the same age. Both provide veteran experience. These two, at least Bledsoe, I, I, I don't know this for a fact, but from what I know about, about Bledsoe is he will be a leader in this locker room. Like I said, he is a bulldog. And he's not afraid to get nasty. George Hill's been there before. I don't know that I've seen him talk ever on an NBA court. A lot of the look I've seen is when they're at the end of playoff series and he is not happy. Because <laughs> he, he hasn't won a title. He's been to championships, but he hasn't won a title. But he was, growing up, I don't think I've shared this before, but I grew up a Heat fan because of Dwayne Wade. And he was a problem for them in the conference finals when they faced each other in the early 2010s. He was a problem. Paul George was a problem. But I remember George Hill specifically being an issue for those Heat teams. He's damn good. And granted, it's about 10 years later. But he still contributes. Both of these guys have plenty of value to bring to the court. And they have value to bring for the Pelicans to the court. Whether it actually comes to fruition is, is one thing. It, it, that, that's, it's a legitimate question. And I just got asked this on Twitter by one of our fans who, who's listened to the podcast pretty regularly and has been pretty interactive with us on Twitter, Gil. And he just asked me what I think they'll do with Bledsoe if they'll flip him or, or Bledsoe and Hill if they'll flip him or, or if we'll hold on to him. But I don't know what they do. I don't know what they do. I, I, I think if I had to guess or if I was leaning any which way, I'd probably say 55% they flip them, if I'm going to be honest, after just ranting about how much they can contribute. Because they can. These two players can contribute to the Pelicans. They can. Everything that I just said is well documented. I, I mean, I, I think that I would be okay with holding on to them, especially until the trade deadline this year, based on what I said, is that these two guys can contribute to other teams too. If they're out there looking for a guard that, that can play both ends, that can shoot, that would be a good acquisition for them. But as the Pelicans currently sit... I would say it's a 55% chance that they flip these two, or at least one of them, to go get another player. They might need to include a pick or two in a situation like that. But it depends on who the player is, what position they have, if it's really a need for the Pelicans. So there's different options for them going forward. The player that comes to mind that I know a lot of Pelicans fans want, that a lot of Pelicans fans have brought up, that it's been in conversation for freaking ever. It's Miles Turner. I mean, if you're looking at the negatives for these two players, Bledsoe is a great in the regular season, just not so much in the playoffs. Both are above the age of 30. The Pels already have a young ascending point guard in Lonzo. And if they go high in the draft, if they package 13 and 24, because they did get the 24th pick in this year's draft from the Bucks, if they move, excuse me, if they package those two picks and move up, 
and grab Killian Hayes, Tyrese Halliburton, Kyra Lewis. Do they want those four guards on the roster if it's constructed as such? That's a pretty guard-heavy roster. I mean, what's Josh Hart? Is he a small forward or is he a shooting guard? Do you retain each one more? Frank Jackson, are you going to sign him to a one-year deal, the, the vet minimum more than likely? You got J.J. Redick as a shooting guard. What about Nikhil Alexander-Walker? This is a guard-heavy roster, and it's all about who you believe in. It's all about who you want to start this season with. It's all about who you want to start SVG's tenure with. It's who he can use on the defensive end and who he can use to fit his system on the offensive end. I could see the Pelicans moving literally pretty much any of those players except for Josh Hart. I have an emotional attachment to Josh Hart, much like a lot of other Pelicans fans. Love that dude. He's one of the few guys who plays with urgency on the defensive end of the floor from last year's team. So, with all of those said, Etwan Moore, Frank Jackson, more than likely the the two that are going to be Gonzo. No need to bring them back if if you're looking at the roster as it's currently constructed. Maybe they don't go out and get a guard. If they package those two picks, move up into the top 10, and Onyeka Kungwu doesn't go in the top 1, 2, 3, 4 picks, then he's an option, and he's a great option for them to grab in the top 10. Okungwu will will be up there. Jalen Smith will be at 13 and 24, maybe. Isaiah Stewart's an option. And we know Jackson Hayes isn't going to be the guy at center this coming season. He's just not, whether we like it or not. Pelicans need a more adept center on the defensive end of the floor that doesn't try to just block shots all the time. Because Jackson Hayes, while he has the athleticism to try to do that, it's just not successful as much as it should be. And he doesn't have the athleticism to do that every time. He just needs to get a good head on his shoulders on the defensive end of the floor. And he just doesn't have that yet. Whether he's going to acquire that at some point in time is a good question. If there's a coach that can do it, I believe in Stan Van Gundy. Anyway, there's a lot of options here. Should the Pelicans try to go towards the draft to fill their roster rather than trading these two guys for, or or these two guys plus picks for current tangible players? There was a current tangible player that I think the Pelicans should go after. I think it's Miles Turner. Miles Turner is a guy who can shoot the three, not particularly incredibly well, but he can space, and that's a really good piece that he could bring to play alongside Zion. So Zion doesn't have to start at the five, even though you can play him small ball that way. You can also retain Melly that way and play small ball and have him Melly at the four unless you want to go out and get a Devin Vassell, maybe play some four if he puts some weight on, or or Patrick Williams at the four, or Jalen Smith at the four, and he's not going to be able to play small ball uh, power forward. He'll just be a power forward or a center, depending on what you want to do with him and Zion. But there are a plethora of options for trading these two and, and acquiring other assets. Again, if I had to choose... There is one player that I want that's healthy and is young to boot and is under contract for a few more years, and it's at $17 million, is Miles Turner. I'm not sure that the Pacers are going to necessarily be interested in Eric Bledsoe and George Hill. Like I said, George Hill played there when they were really good in the early 2010s. Maybe that's an allure. 
maybe they just want to give up Miles Turner and they don't think they can get Gordon Hayward or Gordon Hayward doesn't opt into his player option and they just feel like they have too much talent. There's options. There's options going forward in order to move these two. This could go either way. It really could. Also, we haven't even talked about those future picks. I mean, who know? we don't know as of right now. We don't know what year those picks are for, what years those picks are for, other than this first one being the 24th pick that we talked about. Also, if the Pelicans hold on to 13 and 24, we talked about potential moves that the Pelicans could make at 24, or not necessarily moves, but uh, players that they could take around that position. So if you want to hear more about that, go check out Derek Murray, our our podcast with Derek Murray, Murray previewing the draft that we did. I believe that was late last week. Anyway, Derek did a great job. So if if you haven't checked that out, make sure you go listen to that because he crushed it. He crushed it. Derek was awesome. We talked about 19 and 22 for the Nuggets and the Nets, but it turned out that it was the Bucks that made this move that we called. And Derek provided some awesome insight. And, and I, he made me like Isaiah Stewart. And I had never really even looked into Isaiah Stewart. So that's pretty impressive. Zeke Naji is also an option there. I've heard him going around 30 to the Celtics a lot. If the Celtics hold on to that pick, we'll, we'll see what happens. But these future picks, those are a hell of a lot of options. Set it at the top. You've got Bucks future picks. You've got Lakers future picks. You've got Pelicans future picks. And they have four picks, five picks now in this year's draft. Lots to package, lots to move up with whether that's this year or they hold on to those future picks and move up next year, which would be probably better because next year's draft is supposed to be really good. 2022 draft is also supposed to be really good. I'll leave that to Derek Murray and to Ethan Piotta to figure out. That is not our niche here is here at Believe in the New Orleans Pelicans. But those picks are really valuable. And the Bucks just gave up their entire future for this year. Which, more power to them. Because that's what you got to do when you have a loaded roster and the two-time MVP on your team. That's what you got to do. More power to them. They just went out and got Bogdan Bogdanovich. I don't know if I said that yet. So they're really aiming for, to, to fight for a championship this year. Good call. Incredible call. You got to do that. They had to do that. If they weren't doing it, yes, Giannis is loyal. But if you don't award his loyalty, he should leave. We don't know that that's what he would want to do. I mean, the dude was loyal to Jason Kidd. If he's loyal to Jason Kidd, why wouldn't he be loyal <laughs> to the Bucks, who were trying to do what they could to go get him in a small, to get him a title in a small market? Now they really did it. They really did it. This was a genius move, and they held on to Chris Middleton. So the Bucks starting lineup now. Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, Giannis, Bogdan Bogdanovich, Brooke Lopez. You lose Eric Bledsoe, you lose George Hill. Wesley Matthews just opted out of his contract. He had a player option. 
They uh, had Robin Lopez op- opt out of his player option as well. But the chance for them to go out and get veterans that are ring searchers, that becomes an option there too. And it's going to be the East versus, or sorry, Milwaukee versus Brooklyn this coming year in the East. Because if Brooklyn gets James Harden and the Bucks have three defensive players like Giannis, Chris Middleton, and Drew Holiday. And you throw in Brooke Lopez, who's a rim protector. Oh, boy. I would take the Bucks in that situation more than like... Because there's plenty of ways that the uh, Bucks could take advantage of the Nets in that situation. There's only one ball, first of all. Drew would guard Kyrie. Giannis would probably guard KD. And you put Chris Middleton on James Harden, and James Harden is not really who he should be in the playoffs anyway. And there you go. Bucks are freaking set going into this year. If I'm a Bucks fan, I am freaking thrilled. Drew is going to thrive in this role. I've been saying it, and I've been meaning it. And we've been talking about getting Drew to competitive teams for a long time. There was going to be no way that the Pels gave him up to a non-contender. It just wasn't happening. The respect was too mutual. They care about Drew. Drew is a good dude. They really wanted to get him to a contender. It wouldn't make sense to get him to a non-contender. The only non-contender that would have made sense in terms of the assets they could give up and the fact that they could compete in the East, sort of, is the Hawks. And that just wasn't going to happen. The Pels were not going to send him there. It got refuted by the athletic guy that that covers them, their beat writer. But it's going to be Giannis, number one option, Chris Middleton, number two option, and Bogdan slash Drew, number three option. And you can put the ball in Drew's hands. We've, we talked about Drew being a good attacker of the rim he's not a fantastic three-point shooter but he's gonna be really good for the for the bucks here bogdan's gonna be good he's not as good defensively but bud will figure something out darvin ham will figure something out they'll be just fine and i just thought about this as a writer for the bird rights and if they're allowing media in i might given the fact that i live in madison might be able to go see the Bucks play the Pelicans this year if that happens with the with the uh, whole, you know, COVID thing. <laughs> so that'd be sweet, and I would be more than happy to tell y'all about that. Anyway, this was a win on both sides. It was. And the Pelicans are set for the future. And they can compete now if that's something they really want to do. The West is going to be damn difficult, especially after Chris Paul got sent to Phoenix and the Trailblazers just got a hold of Robert Covington in exchange for Trevor Ariza and a first-round pick, which good move by them. The Trailblazers are going to be good again. The West is going to be a bloodbath this coming year. A bloodbath. Whether the Pelicans are in the playoffs or not this coming year isn't irrelevant, but it's... It'll be difficult, and they've got the assets to go into the future, much like the Thunder. And they're going to be set, and then they've got the two core pieces to build around in Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson. Zion's a kid who wants to win, and he wants to win now, and I'm sure Brandon Ingram feels the same way. But in an immediate and an instant gratification world, Pelicans fans are going to have to be patient. They just are. They just are. That's the only way this is going to work. 
can't rush things, but also can't be too concerned about Zion's health to where he barely gets minutes. It's a balancing act, and and the Pels are going to have to figure it out. Griff, I was worried about this. I, I was starting to lose some faith in him, but this is something that I think will be good. This is a situation where the Pels, maybe they draft Pokashevsky and draft and stash him, and, and that's a guy going into the future too. Just thought about that. There, you know, <laughs> we've been talking a lot about this on, on Believe in New Orleans Pelicans, is that the Pels have options, whether it's the draft, whether it's free agency, whether it's trades, specifically with Drew Holiday. And while one thing got checked off, there's still a ton of options going into the future. We just really don't know what this roster is going to look like in, well, the next month, let alone the next year or two years. A lot's going to happen, and it's going to be fun. And it could result in a championship in New Orleans. And that would be freaking sweet. The thing I want to end today's episode on is an appreciation for Drew Holiday. In a market that saw Anthony Davis leave to go to Los Angeles, never said goodbye, never said thank you to New Orleans, Drew Holiday stayed. And even when AD was here, Drew Holiday stayed throughout his issues with injury, throughout his inability to lead this team to the playoffs. He stayed through Monty Williams. He stayed through Alvin Gentry. He stayed through some pretty bad stuff. He stayed through some complete upheaval of the roster, complete upheaval of the coaching staff of the front office. This is a, you know... This is just a good dude. This is just a good human being. A damn fine basketball player, but a damn fine human being too. Milwaukee got a good one. Disregard basketball for a second. The community of Milwaukee got a really, really good person. And, you know, I I, I just watched the 2017-2018, just a little highlight clip on YouTube from that series with the Blazers. And God Damn, Drew was good in that series. Oh. Fro Drew? Ugh. <laughs> he he and AD were just phenomenal. Just phenomenal. And it, it's too bad that never really resulted in anything. It's too bad Boogie got hurt. Because, man, they were fun to watch. In a small market like New Orleans where basketball hasn't been the focus, it's been a football city, Drew Holiday brought it, and he brought it night in and night out. That dude cared. He brought urgency. He brought passion and a desire for the game of basketball. Night in and night out. And that's all you can ask for. That's all you can ask for. Pelicans fans, Thanks so much for tuning in today. There's going to be a hell of a lot more content coming at you with the draft coming up here. Hopefully, uh, we'll be able to go live on draft night. 
stuff like that. I just got a new Pelicans flag in my locker or in my locker room, in my room. And I'm going to post a picture of it tomorrow on Twitter because I'm hyped about it. But I'm planning on going live on YouTube on draft night. So you'll be able to see it then. Very excited about that. And we'll be getting you immediate content from the podcast on draft night as well. I'll also be on Word with G in Lafayette tomorrow, or I guess today, at 425, 430-ish. Also be there on Wednesday as well, day of the draft. Tomorrow I'm going to be on Are You Serious Sports as well, around 740. I think we're going to go live as is what uh, their host said. So going to be on a lot of places, a lot of different platforms in the next coming days. Also going to be on Propel's talk on the night of the draft and the bird calls on the night of the draft. So going to be every which way. So so stick around. We're going to be getting you plenty of Pelicans content in the meantime. Make sure to go follow at Elliot Clough on Twitter. That way you can follow along with all these other platforms that I'll be on. Make sure to subscribe and follow this podcast, depending on where you're listening, and you leave a rate interview Do it! on Apple Podcasts, should you be listening there. Tell a friend about the pod. Go check out Believe.com and TheBirdRights.com. And lastly, I am Elliot Clough, and this was Believe in the New Orleans Pelicans. <laughs>